All right, what's up, Grace Bible? All right, hello, four of you. I was talking to y'all. What's going on? Good to see y'all this morning. If you have your Bibles, let's flip on over. There's, I'm going to hit several scriptures, but where we'll camp out the most is Hebrews 7, Hebrews 4, and Romans 8. Hebrews 7, Hebrews 4, and Romans 8. So just find those, stick your finger in there. Uh, we'll get to those in a minute. Uh, there is another scripture I'll read to you that, that, that we won't turn to just for the sake of time, but I want you to know where we're going to be at for the bulk of the conversation. Um, you know, today is uh, Phil and I, as a matter of fact, the guy who was leading worship up here. Um, Phil and I were sitting in my office just a few weeks ago, just kind of thinking through and praying through the coming weeks of the study through First Peter, and we just kind of felt this overwhelming sense from the Lord that we needed to press pause on First Peter for this week. So we've been anticipating this for several weeks now, and we needed to devote an entire week um, to just prayer. Um, some talking about prayer and singing about prayer, and then some actual time of prayer, um, where we just like silence all the noise and invite you to just go before the Lord with your stuff. And ask you to take before the Lord kind of the macro narratives of our stuff, of the world around us. Um, without a doubt, like we are living in a strange time where humanity has kind of got the one, two, three punch of some major issues in the world around us from the global pandemic and how that's affected everybody, including your family and your business and fill in the blank, to um, political tension is just going off the charts. Um, and punch number three, racial tension and just the conversation, the ongoing conversation of justice and equality. It's like it has been a very interesting time to be alive, to say the least, but it's been difficult. We're living through crisis, layers of it as a people. And the people of God have been told throughout the generations, man, that we need to be reminded like when stuff gets sideways, isn't the only time we should be getting before the feet of the Father? But sure enough, when stuff goes sideways, the people of God need to get before the feet of the Father. The way God said it to the people of ancient Israel is in 1 Chronicles 7.14. He told them, he said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear their prayers from heaven and heal their land. What a promise to those people. Isn't that awesome? And I would say to you, like, rem remember that he was talking to God-fearing people when he said if they would turn from their wicked ways. It's funny, when things get sideways in the world that we live in, Christian people, the people of God, oftentimes start pointing at all the wickedness of the world around us, and we forget to look in the mirror and recognize, man, that wickedness has crept its way right up into our sanctuaries and pulpits and small groups and Sunday school classes. We get louder, more obnoxious, more godless, the more tense things seem to get. When really the call of the people of God, and by the way, that promise that he made was to the people of ancient Israel. That wasn't a promise that he made to us. However, I do cling to the truth that as the people of Jesus now, we have been grafted into the family of God, as the gospel tells us. And now as the people of God who have been grafted in as adopted sons and daughters, that that, that principle, that promise that he gave to his people a long time ago still rings true to us even today. And I think God is calling out to his church, particularly the American church, that is just a big old fat mess, that we need to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. And thankfully, because of what Jesus has done through his death and resurrection, he has made a way for us to be heard by God. He has commissioned us as saints, his royal priesthood. So yeah, you have access to God. Even through all the chaos, we have access to God. But what if the people of God actually followed the ways of God and we actually set aside our pride and our arrogance for a season and we actually humbled ourselves before God as a people and we brought the mess back to God and worshiped him instead of trying to commission ourselves as being the world fixers and we actually pointed people to Jesus who can truly fix the world. What if? What if? Now, that idea has really motivated a conversation amongst the Abide group of pastors in our community. If you don't know what that is, there's about 15 churches in our community that throughout the year we pray together, we worship together, we fast and pray together in January, and a handful of us got together a couple of weeks ago just to have the conversation like, hey, things are really weird in the 
community and the world we're living in and church reopening and schools reopening, like things are tough. Like what can we do as the abide community of pastors to best serve our church families and then by extension the community as a whole? And the answer was a resounding, oh yeah, you know what we do? We pray and fast. That's what we do. We do it every January and it's kind of become like an event, but we've been saying for years, this is not an event. This is what the people of God are always called to do. This is what we need to do when the going gets tough. Like this is how we come before the Father as a people. And this is a powerful mechanism God has given us as his people. And so we recognize like why aren't we doing that right now? Why wait till January? Things are getting ridiculous right now. And so we concluded like you know what we need to do? We need to call our church families into a a shorter season, a seven-day season of fasting and prayer. And invite them to bring their stuff and their messes before the Lord through a season of fasting, but also to bring the mess of the world that we're living in, the macro stuff that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis and seeing on the news. If the people of God would humble themselves and pray and seek his face, well, we're going to do that. And so I talked a little bit about it last week via video, um, but I told you I'd give you more details this week. Here's what it's going to look like. Um, Starting tomorrow, we're just going to do a seven-day fast. The Abide community, thousands of people, 15 churches. We're going to fast and pray over the next seven days, and we're going to really bring some of the biggest issues of our own homes and families, our community, our country. We're going to bring those before the Lord as an act of faithfulness to him. We're going to do it with a unified voice of 8,000 people as we, can, as we do this together. Um, now, for those of you that have participated before with us when we do this in January, you have an idea of kind of how fasting and prayer works. For those of you that are just leaning in this conversation, you're like, what are you talking about? What does it mean to fast? You mean nobody's going to eat for the next seven days? Like, is my restaurant going to go out of business? No, I plan on eating over the next seven days. I may change what I eat over the next seven days. But the idea of fasting, just so you know, this is, this is a, a three-week sermon summed up into three minutes. Fasting, anytime you see it in the Bible, fasting always revolves around food. Okay, so yes, that is a biblical, centrally biblical theme of fasting has to do with setting aside foods or certain foods for a season so that those hunger pains that you have for those certain foods might ignite in you a hunger for God. In other words, those hunger pains kind of, it's like a trigger. Like when you're wanting the Twinkie, then you're like, oh yeah, I'm fasting, I'm not going to eat the Twinkie, but instead of eating the Twinkie, I'm going to take this time to worship, to pray, to get in God's word. And I'm going to use that hunger pain every time it comes up as a prompt from the Holy Spirit to get before the Lord. So it's, it's kind of a rearranging of our priorities for a season. Peter talked about this. He told us that we needed to abstain from the passions of our flesh because they wage war against our soul. This is kind of what fasting is all about. Now, um, the way we teach fasting, just to make it as simple as possible, fasting is not about abstaining from anything. Trust me, all right? Some of y'all do, you do the Lenten fast every year and you do the Ash Wednesday and all that. And like, you give up cheeseburgers for a month. Okay, God is not impressed by you giving up cheeseburgers for a month. Let me just lay it out there. You can give up sweet tea for the rest of your life. Does not move the heart of God, okay? What does move the heart of God, it moves the hand of God, is when we don't just abstain from something for a season, but we actually exchange it. We take a thing in our life that's been sitting on the throne where he belongs a thing that we enjoy, a pleasure that we have. For some of you, it may be a sinful issue in your life that you need to set aside for this next week. For some of you, it's just you like coffee too much or Coke too much or cheeseburgers too much. Or you binge watch movies every night when you come home on the Netflix box and you just need to set that, you need to exchange that for a season to set that aside so that you can put God back in the place where he belongs. So you can set him as the center stage, the thing that you look forward to and long to commune with, or the thing you start your day with is the Lord instead of whatever else it was. Now, I'm not going to tell you what to fast, but I wanted to give you the framework. The idea of fasting is about exchanging that we would identify what's the little G gods that have crept into my life, those little guilty pleasures or those little just normal things that are part of my life that I enjoy, that I like, I've gone from the past the point of enjoying it to craving it, now I have to have it. You don't want to be around me if I don't have my morning fill in the blank. That's a God. So we take the God off the throne. We set Jesus right back where he belongs. And in the time you would have been eating that thing, drinking that thing, watching that thing, flipping through social media mindlessly, you actually exchange that for the presence of God through prayer, time in his word, worship. You just lean into Jesus during the time you'd have done that. We're going to do that for the next seven days. 
I've been praying for you that God would reveal to you what it is that you need to fast. I know this kind of feels like a last minute, you know, like, oh, why why haven't we been talking about this for two months? Well, I don't think we need a whole lot of preparation. You already know what your little G-gods are, what you need to set aside for a season. Here's here's how you can rightly identify what that thing is. Um, Just the thought of taking this out of your life for the next seven days is causing you to freak out right now. That's how you know what you need to fast. All right, there you go. Pretty simple. That's the fasting part, but let's talk about prayer. And then let's spend some time together praying in your seat, at the altar, whatever the Lord leads you to do. Um, Prayer is, uh, man, it's a powerful form that God has given us to be able to communicate with him. And it's a form that has been given to us as a gift because of what Jesus has done for us. It wasn't that long ago in history, regular old Joes like you and me couldn't just come into the presence of God. But because of Jesus' work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, and symbolically, well, physically, the, the veil of the temple tore in two, it was a symbol to the world that now God had invited common people into his presence. You didn't have to be the great high priest to come in once a year, but regular old cats like you and me could come in while we're driving down the road. As a matter of fact, he went a step farther. Farther, he didn't just... He didn't just decide to dwell in buildings made with human hands anymore, but it was actually the tearing of the veil of the temple was actually a symbolic of how the Holy Spirit broke out of buildings made by human hands and now comes to dwell in a new temple, which is you. That's good news, ain't it? So you, you carry the Holy Spirit around with you. If you are in Christ Jesus, if you are a follower of him, you don't have to show up to a building to meet with God or go to a camp or a conference The Spirit of God dwells within you. He feels what you're feeling. He's hearing what you're saying. He's praying what you're praying. He is in you. All right, it's part of the promises of the good news of the gospel. We've talked about all of those things in great detail in past discussions, but for the sake of the day, let's just zero in on the idea of prayer. I want to give us some bumpers before we move forward and praying corporately here shortly and before you pray over the next seven days. Let me start by asking this question. How many of you could use a little more prayer in your life? I'm not saying how many of you need to pray more, because that's an easy answer, all of you and me. But I'm asking how many of you could use a little more prayer in your life, like people praying for you. All right? Yeah, I thought so. Um, And uh, how many of you could use right now, there's something going on in your life, you could really use for Jesus to just step in and be the hero of that story. You've been praying for it, you've been needing it, you've been begging it, you've been asking for wisdom, you've been needing a... Uh, a need met, even whatever, you just need Jesus to step in and do the miraculous kind of stuff that he does in your life. Well, prayer is the form that he has given to us to be able to have access to God as part of the gift that we have as a kingdom people for those that are in Christ Jesus. And what I mean by that is if you believe in Jesus as Lord of your life, as the king of your life, then you are considered in Christ Jesus. You'll be given access to God. We looked at it in 1 Peter chapter 2 because you are now commissioned as a saint And a royal priest, all right? So a question that I oftentimes get that is a very, very good question is, okay, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, who do I pray to? Good question. And the answer to that question is yes. Door number one, door number two, door number three. It is God in three persons is the way we describe that. But each, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, is all God. But it's expressions of God in three different people. Um, and God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So know that they, they're all wearing the same ears. They're all hearing the same prayers. They, they are God. That is God. Um, and the way he displays himself through the life of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's still the same guy. And so, yes. And I, for me personally, honestly, um, it really depends on what's on my mind, what I'm experiencing, what kind of like mode I'm in as a person, whether I'm praying to God, the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit in any given moment. But let me, let me dive into that a little bit deeper because it is Jesus who has now made a way for us to have access to God through prayer. And it is Jesus who plays an active part in our prayer life with God. And I feel like we need to kind of Peel back the layers of this onion just a little bit uh, before we get into a time of prayer. And I want to share this scripture with you right here. I didn't give you this one earlier, which is fine. Just listen. It will be up on the screen. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Pay close attention. There is one God, all right, 
I know not ever I know not all of you believe that. I know not everybody watching online believe that. But this, we believe in the word of God as our ultimate authority here at GBC. We believe that there is one God. There is none like him. There is none before him. There is none beside him. There is one God. This is, this is what we believe. We believe that because that's what the word of God declares. And also that's how we've seen God show himself through history. 1 Timothy 2.5, listen closely. There is one God and one mediator between God and men. How many mediators between God and men? One. And who is it? Who's the one mediator between God and men? Who is it? It is Christ Jesus. This is important for a couple of reasons. Um, this really informs kind of a cultural Christian thing that we deal with here at Grace Bible, that we deal with in church around the globe. Is This reminds us that I don't have better cell reception to God than you do. I don't. There's just one mediator between God and man, and it's Jesus. I don't get, I don't get the extra connectivity with God. Uh, I don't have the bag of magic tricks that I wish I had that people think I have. There's only one mediator between God and man, and it's Jesus. He is the one that has not only provided the way between us and God that we might be able to communicate with him, but he is also one as he mediates. He's the one that carries with him. He's the one that brings our prayers before the Father. Like we're going to, we'll see kind of how that works uh, in, a, in a few passages we're going to look at in a minute. Now, I wanted to say that so that you recognize it. Our past, your pastors love to pray with you. We want you to pray with you. Um, this is just part of what we do as the body of Christ, but we have no supernatural power when it comes to prayer that you don't have because you also are a saint. You also are a royal priest. That's what the word of God says. Now, I also needed to share that scripture with you to inform my Catholic brothers and sisters, okay? Um, I know we have a pile of folks at Grace Bible that are coming from a Catholic background. Matter of fact, one of our elders was a lifelong Catholic. Like, I'm thrilled. Now, one of, this is one of the areas, my Catholic brothers and sisters, that helps inform your prayer life in a way that may be a little disorienting to you. So understand, my goal in sharing this with you is not to be offensive. Trust me, I, I love offending our congregation. I get to do it often. This ain't one of those times. I'm so motivated by love in saying this to you. I want you to know my goal in sharing this scripture and declaring to you what it means is not to offend you, but it's to set you free. Just like I want to set our people free from thinking that I have some special access to God that they don't have. Like, that's a burden that you don't need to carry. You need to know that Jesus is your mediator. He's going to go before God with you. You don't need me. And I want to say to my Catholic brothers and sisters, this is a reason why. You may have wondered, like, why do the evangelical church, why does Grace Bible, why don't they pray to the saints? Why don't they pray to Mother Mary? Like, why don't they do that? And I'll tell you why. And this is, I want to make this as simple as possible. Um... Again, no, please don't be offended. I'm just, I mean this out of love. Like, we don't do that because it's nowhere in the Bible. It's just not. Like, that's some tradition that got picked up along the way that is not, it's, it's not real. We, we don't pray to saints. We don't pray to Mary. They can't do anything for us. They're dead. And they are hopefully in the presence of God the Father right now worshiping and celebrating him. There is only one mediator between God and men. Only one. And, and even if it were true, even if we could pray through Peter and through Mary and through some others and even through Dustin, like who would you rather carry your burden before the Lord, me or Jesus? Who do you think has the ear of God? There you go. Don't get tangled up in that. I know that's like so disorienting for somebody that's hearing that. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, like I've been doing this my whole life. Look, this isn't me throwing arrows. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you need to, you know, like, just, just like you, you are taking the long way around to do something that Jesus gave us a straight way towards God. He is the one that hears. He is the one that mediates. So trust in him in that. As a matter of fact, this isn't the only place in Scripture that talks about that. The author of Hebrews talks about this in greater detail. He's using a language that they would have been familiar with, so I'll try to translate a little bit. But essentially, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23 says, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. You know what that means? The priests kept dying, so they had to keep getting new ones. 
But there was one who actually resurrected from the dead. And verse 24 says, he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. And consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost or save completely those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession, which is a fancy word for praying for somebody. He makes intercession for them. You catch that right there? Jesus, the great high priest, who once had died but now is resurrected from the dead, his priesthood never stopped. So he can actually intercede on your behalf before God. He can actually carry those prayers before God on your behalf. And this is what he does. Jesus never stopped doing ministry. He retired from an earthly ministry and went into an intercessory ministry. Now he just prays for you. In the presence of God. Does that sound like good news to anybody? That sounds like good news to me. Let's keep going. Flip back to chapter 4, one page behind you. Verse 14. Now since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Hang on to the hope that Jesus truly is who he said he was, is, and has done what he has done. Hang on to our confession that he is Lord and we are not. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, but yet was without sin. In other words, like, Jesus is not some far-off God in the cosmos that doesn't get it. Jesus is a faithful father and a faithful friend to you as a follower of him, like, and he's praying with compassion and a burden in his heart before God because, remember, he got up off of his royal throne. He put on skin. He moved into the neighborhood, and he felt the sting of betrayal like you have. And he felt the pains and the grief of loss. And he saw, and he was crushed by the weight of disease and sin in the world around him. He knows what it feels like for the people that he loved the most not to love him back. Like, he gets it. That's what this passage is telling us. Like he is, he's not some distant cosmic priest, but he is one who has walked in your shoes and felt the pain you felt and knows what it's like to be hungry and knows what it's like to be in poverty and knows what it's like to be broken and to be hurt and to feel like his prayers were not yet being answered. Like he gets it. He's a high priest that can sympathize with us and yet he intercedes on our behalf feeling all the feelings with you as he brings it before the Lord because he's been there before. He knows what it's like. So, verse 16, mm, underline this, highlight this, circle this. So, because that's true, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Mm. Love that. Let's go before God with confidence because he, man, he gets it. He's done been there. He's done felt that. What you're telling him is he feels something when you say it. He knows. He's got memories attached to when he experienced that kind of pain as you bring it before him and as he prays for you. Like, you want to talk about an intimate, loving father that is all up in your business, that truly would never leave you or forsake you? He's praying for you constantly all the time, which, which really... Brings up the, the group in the room that I'm sure there is. It's like, Dustin, but you, like, I, I get it and I believe what you're saying. Like, I see how God, how Jesus made a way for us to God and how Jesus is our mediator. And I, I get that and I'm thankful for that. And I do believe that God hears our prayers and that there's power in prayer. But there's just one problem, man. I'm just so, I'm so broken right now, man. I'm so hurt. I'm so shocked. I'm so embarrassed, I'm so fill in the blank. I just came back from the far country. I've been wandering from God for a long time or I just got some news I wouldn't expect to get or I've been so hurt and betrayed by somebody that I love. Like I'm not even sure what to pray. Like the, the dissonance in my head, the chaos is so real, so tangible. Like I'm not even sure how to start praying to God. I don't know what I need from him right now. I just need something to happen, something to be fixed. Like the gospel informs that. I've been there before, coming before God and being in such a desolate place, I didn't even know what to say to him. And I'm reminded of this good news, 
in chapter 8 of Romans, verse 26, it says, Likewise, let me, let me paint for you a picture of the throne room of heaven right now in real time. The throne of heaven right now in real time looks a little something about like this. As you are bringing your prayers to the Lord. Likewise, the Spirit, say Spirit. Spirit. That's capital S, that is God the Spirit. Helps us in our weaknesses for we do not know what we ought to pray for as we ought. We do not, do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. <laughs> we don't know, we don't even know what to pray for as we ought. So the Spirit shoulders that mantle for us. No, we, we don't, first of all, we don't even know how to put into words what it is we really need. And if we're honest with ourselves, we don't even know what it is that we really need. So the Holy Spirit steps into the gap. And he is in the left ear of God in the throne room of heaven. And he is bringing those prayers before the Lord. He is praying the will of God over your life to the Lord. And he is doing it in a heavenly language that only God can understand. You know why? Because some pains and some chaos and some of the mess of our life is so complex, we don't even have words in the human language that are able to capture what we're really trying to say. But there is a language that is so vast, so profound, so deep, that the Spirit of God is groaning into the ear of Almighty God on your behalf, saying things that you couldn't even put together on your own, praying the will of God in your life, praying things over you that you didn't even know you needed prayer for. That's what the Spirit of God is doing for you right now, the throne room of heaven, the presence of God. By the way, that is the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. He feels the pain you're feeling. He sees the things you're seeing. He hears the things you're saying. He sees the attitudes of your heart. And he has taken those before the Lord and groans and utterances that words could not express. He's got your back. He's all up in your business. There's no one more intimate to you than he. And he is declaring those things to God on your behalf. Isn't that good news? It says, and he, God, verse 27, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit. He, he recognizes what the Spirit's feeling and saying because that Spirit is within you as well. Like he's got a deep, intimate look into your life. And the Spirit interceding for the saints according to the will of God, praying the will of God over your life. That's why we can cling to this promise, Romans 8, 28, that oftentimes gets used out of context. It's because of that that we can know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. You want to know a guaranteed, guaranteed surefire way that God is going to answer your prayers? It's when God the Spirit is praying them. He ain't going to say no to himself. He's praying those things for us, bringing us for the Lord. I keep saying that the Spirit's in his left ear. I'm painting for you a picture of the throne room of heaven right now because I want to show you who's on the right side of God. Seated upon his right, also praying for you. We find out later in the chapter, verse 34, you need to read all of this for yourself. I'm just jumping into the middle. Read the rest this afternoon. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised and he is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is, what's that word? interceding for us. He's also praying for you. The Holy Spirit in the left ear, Jesus Christ in the right ear, uttering your name before God and your stuff and praying the will of God over your life and all the stuff you didn't even need, know that you needed to pray about, he's praying about that stuff too. We want to talk about an intimate, loving father that's got your back, that's all up in your business, that truly wants to change and transform you, that truly has your best interest in mind. He is actively involved in your prayer life. So listen, for that person to hear it say, man, I've been praying, but it feels like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. If you know my God, the ceiling is plenty far enough because he is all up in it. He feels the breath rolling off of your lips. He sees the angst that is just gripping your heart right now, and he is praying for you too. In this process, he sees the pain in your family. He sees the disease in your body. He sees the fear. He notices when your heart rate goes up. None of that is beyond him. He sees it all, and yet he is he's praying for you too. 
He is for you. So I want to bring us back around to that verse that I showed us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. And I'm going to leave this up on the screen as we enter into a time of prayer. Just to kind of be the context of our conversation. Hebrews 4, 16. So with all these things said, my friend, with all these things that we've talked about, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Who needs the grace of God poured out in their life right now? Who needs the mercy of God to be dumped right on their story? To be poured out into their marriage or their parenting or their business or their sin struggle or their addiction issue or their unforgiveness? Like where is it that you need the mercy of God and the grace of God just to be dumped out into your life? It says because of what Jesus has done and is doing on your behalf, you can approach the throne of God with great confidence knowing that he sympathizes with you, feels the pain that you're feeling, and he's praying for you too. He knows your name. He knows your story. And he is orchestrating it for his glory and to transform you into the likeness of Jesus. You know, I spent a couple of hours just this week and some focused time of study and prayer and I was looking through some different uh, just background tracks because uh, I wanted to have just some music in the room but I didn't want our worship team to have to provide it I want them to have the freedom to come before God to lay their stuff at the altar the feet of Jesus or whatever so we're just gonna play this little worshipful kind of ambient music as you do business with the Lord and bring your stuff before him but I bet you there's a family in here that really needs the mercy of God poured out into their family. I bet you that there's a marriage in here that needs Jesus to step in and be the hero of their story. I bet you there's a mama in here that's been praying for her wayward children. I bet you that there's a grandmama that's been praying for that mama's wayward children. I bet you there's somebody in here that's has a physical disease that they want to be healed from. I bet you somebody's got a mental illness that they want to be set free from. I bet you somebody's got an emotional issue that they want to be healed from. I bet you there's a business leader in here who's trying to figure out how in the heck to move forward. You're feeling the pressure of your family on your shoulders. You're feeling the pressure of your employees. And to provide for, it feels like everybody is leaning on you and you're not sure where to go and what to do and you need the wisdom of Christ, the peace of Christ. I bet you there's a young couple that's been praying for the gift of a child but yet God has not yet responded. I bet you there's a wife that's praying for a lost husband and a husband that's praying for a lost wife bet you it's all in here, even right now. So let's go before the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that our Savior Jesus is awaiting that offering of prayer to God, and he is going to usher it into his presence with his voice and his words right along with you. Let's spend the next 10, 12, 15 minutes. We'll just see what the Lord does and just some intentional time of prayer. The altar is open for you. You can come pray down here if you want to just make a physical representation of your surrender to the Lord in this situation. You can pray in your seat. You can stand up. You can sit down. You can whatever. This is between you and the Lord for you to do business. I'll hop back up here in a few minutes and close out our conversation. And before we're done, we want to worship God and declare his power over these things that we've been praying for. So you'll see us again in just a few, but this time is for you and for your family and for your greatest needs. Go before the Lord.
that there's someone in here that God is calling to take a great step of faith and to trust him. But they're lacking the courage because where they're at and what they're doing is just too comfortable. Bring that before the Lord. He can be your courage. He can make it all make sense. Even though it may not make sense to the folks around you. If you're someone that doesn't know Jesus, but today you've realized that he is worthy of your worship. He longs for you. And you want to give your life to him as many in here already have Pastor Chris is in the front on your left in the black tee I'd love to talk with you more about that does someone have a sin struggle that just feels like a losing battle. You're coming to God over and over and over again asking forgiveness for the same old thing. And can't seem to break free. Lay it at his feet today. there's a child that loves Jesus but one or both of their parents don't little one take your the name of your parents before the Lord You continue to pray as I pray over you. Lord, your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I don't think for a moment that I have the authority to tell you what to do. You are God and I am not. but I love these people and I feel their burden. I hear their stories. I see their lives. But God, I know that the vantage point that I have is nothing like yours. That you see intimately and full well their inmost parts and everything about them. And God, while I submit to you as king and confess that your timing and your ways are perfect, I ask selfishly that you would perform miracles in the lives of these people. That today many would see the miracle working hand of God take action 
that they would see their very specific prayers come to light, that they would be able to rejoice Father, I pray that you would do so in such a way that there is no denying that it is you who is worthy and you who gets the credit. That it would strengthen and enrich their faith and their trust in you. Not to go to you as a blessing giver, but to come to you knowing that you are worthy and you are trustworthy with their lives and everything that they got. Because you really do have their best interests in mind. Lord, I pray most importantly that you would take the suffering and the celebration that is happening in the hearts of your people right now and that you would continue to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. That these people in their lives and in their workplaces and in their homes would be a clear declaration of the life of Christ that is in them who heralds you as their king. I pray for the ones that don't know you yet, Lord, that you would break into their story, that you would kick down the walls of hostility in their life, that you would jump over their hurdles of resentment, criticism and cynicism and whatever else, and that you would rescue them, that they would get to see the power of a life that's been transformed by the good news of the gospel and the life of the Holy Spirit that comes to dwell within us. Church family, we're gonna sing a song that we sang last week, I believe, or at least part of it. But before we sing this together, it's just a declaration of the power of God over the prayers that you've been praying. I wanted to read these lyrics to you because I wanna make sure that you hear what it is that you are singing and know that even singing worship that's praying too it's prayers to song and this is what the lyrics of this song this prayer that we're about to sing is they say creation knows the voice that spoke into the void the breath that brought the dust to life and sang the stars to form the darkness fears his voice that drove it back before. And though the night is long, I know your light will drive it back once more. One word from you, things change on your authority. Your word is true, things change on your authority. My fight is not my own. Its end is in your hands. I worship you because I know all things must bow to your command. Will heaven not prevail and strongholds not be moved? Will spirits not be silenced and cower at his rule? For if my God is for me, then what have I to fear? And I will not deny him the glory that is his. Heaven will prevail and strongholds will be moved. Spirits will be silenced and cower at his rule. I know my God is for me, so what have I to fear? For nothing will deny him the glory that is his. Would you stand with me as we declare those words to God today? Creation knows the voice. That spoke into the void The breath that brought the dust to life And sang the stars to fall The darkness fears your voice That drove it back before And though the night is long I know your light Will drive it back once more One word from you 
separate us from the love of God shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we are being killed all day long and we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered but no and all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us for I am sure that neither death 
nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.